0: Yeah, maybe in winter break, you can start um, really exploring the ninth dimension of what is possible.
1: Yeah, the systematic restructure of the United States education system. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I, I Give me till Valentine's Day, Bob. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Dave. Thanks for joining Bob and I for our podcast, Thriving in Dystopia. And even though we always try and be professionals, sometimes we swear. So, just know that going in. Hola, hola, hermano. ¿Cómo estás? Buenas noches. Buenas noches. Y estamos aquí con todos los escuchadores. Y qué bueno que este jueves, el 10, no, es el 22 de octubre, ya estamos juntos, los hermanitos. dos hermanitos.
0: Hermanitos, y vamos juntos en este podcast.
1: <laughs> uh, awesome, Bob. Well, good to get a little 30 seconds of Spanish into that, uh, the listeners' ears, you know? Yeah. It
0: didn't come out of my mouth as like I wanted it to. I had like a little cookie stuck in my throat when we started,
1: so... Yeah, that's what you, I'm gonna uh, blame it on. Yep. Yeah, nicely done. Uh well, here we are. We're I um labeled this one out of time. Mostly because <laughs> this one, Bob, is not going into any season. This no. this old podcast is what would what, what would you call it? Kind of the in-between space. It's a tweener. Um, it's a tweener. It's you remember that scene in the Matrix where Neo is walking between the Matrix and like another room and he like opens a door into this like white space.
0: Yeah. That's right. I remember that one.
1: Yeah. Let's consider this one a little white space for the listeners' ears out there. Mm.
0: That's really good, Dave. Yeah. And so with with that, we're we're free to play around. The normal rules of podcasting don't apply,
1: so we can just take this in any which way. Dang. I like the sound of that. Yeah. Well, let me start by asking how you doing today?
0: I'm doing pretty good. I you know, I come to the podcasting space and um usually just it's a great space for me and I forget about the rest of my life. So, I you know, I it's been Not the easiest of weeks, really, you know, teaching been a little bit of challenges in my classes, life, um, you know, presents challenges in the macro sphere as well. The presidential debate is on tonight. So, yeah, there's a lot going on, but I I feel really good right now. I got to the ocean today and it was very cold out there. The ocean is cold these days, Dave. Um, So, Yeah.
1: How about yourself? How are you feeling? Uh yeah, I kind of feel worn down. This was our first in-person week. It's our ninth week of school. And it's the first week that the kids are back in person. We're doing that hybrid model, A days and B days and what what have you to keep the um the viral load down as much as we can. And yeah, the least I had on a given day was five, and the most I had was nine. Mm. Um and yeah, it's kind of wild out there. It feels like how could I ever have taught 22 kids at one time? Oh yeah, interesting. Yeah. Um yeah, based on like all kinds of weird like scheduling and kids getting pulled to do testing and weird things like that. There was one day where I was teaching math to two kids. <laughs> oh wow. And I was like, this is fun. I'm enjoying this moment right now. Yeah. Like uh, a nice tutoring session or something like that. Yeah, exactly. But what week are you in? I We haven't talked much recently about you being back at the old professor robot. Yeah, I think we're in week three.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure we just finished week three. Um, well, actually, I have a lecture to upload for one of my classes tomorrow as a robot, you know, uploaded up into the Matrix nice into the yes, white space <laughs> exactly and it's funny i i really enjoy i do my lecturing in the sound studio the same space as i do my podcasting uh so have gotten to know this garage pretty well and i like being in here and exploring the wide range of topics not only with you but in my lectures and um then i upload it it's it's a it's a good time Um, and I also hold discussions once a week as well. One of my classes said, we want, we want discussions twice a week. We want to be meeting twice a week. It's, you have this incredible range that like the range is bigger than it ever was before. There's some students who just crave class and are really on everything. And then there's some students who you never hear from. They're like, just they're probably dealing with all kinds of issues, you know, and just barely uh, able to, you know, watch an uploaded lecture like one every two or three weeks. So it's hard. It's hard to know how to design classes that meet all of our students' needs right now. Pretty much impossible. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oof. It's, yeah, that's been one of the things I'm like, oh man, I, I have never seen this student before but here here he is like showing up to class in real life and I'm like wow I like get to interact with you as a human and it's like this is so different because like before you were just like a blinking face or blinking initials at the bottom of my screen like you know not yeah. interacting so it feels like ah it feels so good to at least have some education happening for some of these kids you know you mean like that they're coming in now? That
0: feels yeah somewhat good to you.
1: Yeah, it's definitely like apparent, like the disparity of like who has like you know who was able to sign on and who had like good internet connection and who had like quiet rooms to sign on to classes and who had parents that were able to like help navigate this crazy world, you know of. And it's like, oh yeah, hmm. that inequity is just like separating these like classes and races, and um, you know, the people that have have more now, and the people that didn't have less. But yeah, it's like you know, a, it's a, sorry. Go yeah, ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I was just gonna say the, but on the other end of things, like you know, the people that have the least amount of resources are the most vulnerable, like to get COVID. So it's like, yeah, I don't know. It's like sending kids to school makes the families more vulnerable of contracting the disease. So yeah, their kids are getting better education, but like, I don't know. It's just like a coin flip at this point. That's how I feel.
0: Yeah, it is. Yep. And it's brutal and it sucks because it, you know, when there's two options and both of them suck, then we have to ask ourselves the question of like, I don't want either one of these. I want something else entirely. And why do I get these two terrible options? And then you start to say, Oh yeah, it's because of the way our government responded to this thing. And it's the ways that capitalism makes people, you know, have to go to work. So it starts to trace back to like needing structural changes, which, you know, is of course frustrating, but it's also important
1: when we have those like two terrible options to to trace it back to the roots. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And I've often thought when you're asking a question like that doesn't have an answer that maybe you're asking the wrong question. And it's like, huh, maybe we need to rethink of the question we're asking or the restate the problem in a way that has a solution. So, yeah, maybe we just need to. Think outside the box I mean obviously that's like above my pay grade right now I'm barely keeping up with my Two kids in math class you know what I mean <laughs> Yeah maybe In winter break
0: you can start um, Really exploring The ninth dimension of What is possible
1: Yeah the systematic Restructure of the United States education System
0: Yes exactly
1: Yeah uh, I Give me till Valentine's Day Bob. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'll see you Valentine's Day and I'll raise you St. Patrick's Day.
1: <laughs> Thanks. Oh man. Sometimes I feel like elementary schools just go from holiday to holiday. You yeah. know? It's just like there's so many freaking holidays. And then you you wonder why like summer holidays don't matter. Uh like or like they're you know, you get fourth of July, but besides that, there's like no other significant summer holidays. Yeah. And it's i think it's all because of the school system and elementary school teachers like either loving or feeding off the energy of kids getting pumped up for the holiday you know
0: oh yeah definitely it's a it's a vicious uh cycle you know the kids pumping up those those teachers and those teachers just loving those those breaks and <laughs> pumping those kids back up yeah so it's let's just like, oh, do man. Let's do some, um, some Valentine's kids. Let's, let's bring them in. <laughs> hey, Dave, uh, our listeners should know that mom sent me a very lovely picture of you, at, in your school attire. It's really beautiful cards she, she sent me, but it's from the school picture of 2019. I'm curious if you all did, uh, any pictures for 2020, uh, remotely that was that done in any, any way where people took pictures and sent it in?
1: To the yearbook well, or something like that? If you remember, I don't know if you totally remember, but a year ago, I was visiting you around this time, right around Halloween. And then I flew back hurriedly to get back to start my new job at the school. Yep. And on my second day on the job was picture day. So that's how I was able to sneak in um, pictures. Ah, so, so picture day is still upcoming. It's upcoming, Yeah. Um, I haven't quite hit my one-year anniversary at the school I teach, and um, yeah, I'm excited to hit that anniversary. I've been thinking about it a lot because it feels like it's, I don't know, I don't know why. I mean, I'm like two weeks away, you know what I mean? But it feels like, whoa, in two weeks, I'll have worked a year, you know? Or like in in two weeks, it'll be a year since I made the move to Fort Collins, Um, although that's not technically not technically true the first 3 weeks i was commuting from boulder oh yeah um, that's right yeah but anyhow yeah it's pretty i i will i hope that we will do pictures and um i feel like that's something that as a school we're going to try and do to try and keep that going because i feel like that's we have to cancel so many like normalizing events which is hard for anybody but doubly so for kids you know yeah um and like just this week we had to cancel halloween and dressing up which is kind of a bummer totally yeah yeah there won't be any like party or anything like that i'll probably still give the kids some smarties you know fulfill my lifelong dream of being a teacher and handing out the worst candy of all time (laughs) (laughs) are smarties the worst Uh, isn't it like there's a knockoff brand of smarties
0: that are did it just t- taste like chalk? Yeah, chalkies. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, ah, no, I got so many chalkies this year.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, all right. Let's hear it. What's your worst candy ever, Bob? The worst? You
0: know, um, I really don't like milk duds. They're like, I think they're caramel or caramel in chocolate, but... They're just so always so old and hard. Uh, yeah, I just can't stand milk duds. Nice. Milk dud hater. Yep. But I do love whoppers. So I want
1: that to be known. I want that to be out there. There was this one day where I was sitting down, and this woman I worked with, she had bought a bunch of raisinettes and she was like offering them up to people. And I was just sitting there bashing on how shitty a candy the raisinette is. <laughs> And I was just like, just like saying, oh man, who, who the hell eats Raisinets? These are just like the worst thing you can imagine. And she's like, then why are you eating all my Raisinets that I spent money on that I'm like super enjoying? And I was like, well, I kind of, I wouldn't mind a few more Raisinets. Anyway, <laughs> I think like them, Dave. you like, yeah. them? yeah, man, I agree. Milk duds get stuck in your teeth. They're just like cavities yeah. waiting to happen. Yep yeah um well anyhow, Bob, we're keeping a, our episode a little bit short this week, um, yeah as we're unstuck at of time, and we definitely wanted to have some time to chat with each other and chat it up and one question I did want to have before we get into the the short but sweet uh, main topic, I did want to ask you, what have been some of your favorite all-time Thriving in Dystopia episodes? Oh,
0: yeah, it's such a good question. It feels like this project's been going on for a long time now, you know? The early days feel, like, so different. Um, so, I mean, I like those early episodes, but I can't really remember them very well. I think it's funny that somehow the third most downloaded episode of all time is the Radical Sports one. I think that that makes me chuckle. Interesting, uh, yeah. Yeah. I think I mean I always love our guest episodes and they those bring me a lot of joy. Um but it's it's hard to pick a favorite. I I kind of think it's it's weird but I kind of think the one 2 weeks ago was my favorite. And this was the one where we talked about listening to the Cleveland game together and I, that that episode had everything for me. It had like a great insight, and felt like we were laughing it up so much at the beginning, and it yeah it felt like we got to this real interesting thing, and it was really within the theme of the season of separation, like very separated but also very connected. And I've noticed like. W- couldn't we couldn't really come up with a catchy title for it and it's like not super well downloaded and no one's given us any feedback on it. Um, although mom gave us some great, great feedback, but yeah, I think that's my favorite and it's a little bit it's one that flies under the radar. So <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah, there it is. How about you, Dave? What what comes up for
1: you with that question? Yeah, I I really love the one we did on Defunding the Police. I feel like that was one where we got to delve deep and try and, like, we we did a little bit of research and work ahead of time, which we don't always do, and that one felt like one that, like, by doing that research and thinking about it, it, like, the episode pushed, like, me on a personal level to, like, think about the defunding movement in a way that I probably wouldn't have if I wasn't doing a podcast about it i was like oh wow i actually want to like understand this a little bit more and i feel like yeah in retrospect that that's there's like two ways of like learning one is like that the epiphany of like talking in like a in a open and like open-hearted and loving way with someone which is what you were kind of getting after in two weeks ago's episode about just kind of like thinking about what it means to be apart from each other. But then there's the other way of where you're like, I'm going to like try and understand this and try and like do some research and understand the, the problem at, at large. And I feel like that one felt like a really good learning opportunity for me. And I don't know. I'm. I tend to gravitate towards the parts of the episodes that aren't the the meat. I kind of like the the bread of the episodes a little bit more. (laughs) Um, Nice. Yeah. Or like maybe maybe the garnish or like the the kosher pickle of the episode. I just my favorite parts are like the starts and the ends where we're just yucking it up. And I feel like sometimes when I like go back and listen to episodes, I've just listened until we get to the the meat and potatoes, you know, I just like gobble up those pickles, I'm like, all right, let's just skip to the end and <laughs> listen to some nice outro music, you know <laughs> you fill you fill up on pickles, yeah I'm, I'm off, yeah, <laughs> filled up on pickles <laughs> anyways, yeah, so. I think sometimes I judge episodes by how much fun we have before the episode starts. And I, I love episodes when we're real fired up and just like joking around. And I'd say uh, a good one of that was like the best one we had was two weeks ago as well. And that was just like hysterical. Just like, it was the the yucks. I don't know why we just (laughs) so many giggles. So many giggles. Yeah. Yeah. Anyhow, Bob, do you want to um, chat a little bit about the the meat tonight? I I like the meat, you know. As a meat
0: minimalist, I, I like to get a little bit of meat where I can, and this is where I can get it in a given week.
1: This is your protein source. Yeah, it is. Yeah, we, well, we got a little, it's more of a tempeh meat this week. It's a little bit shorter, and we'll see where we get after. But, Please bring it in. Bring the meat in, Dave. Yeah. I'm ready. ready for it. So the other day we were, I was at school and realized that I have a United States flag in my classroom and didn't even really think too much about it. Like it's just there, you know? And I kind of got to thinking about how, when I was a kid, we would stand up every day and do the pledge of allegiance. And I, as a kid, you never think about it. You just, like, try and memorize the words, right? Like, I, it doesn't, those words mean nothing. They're, like, you could, like, define the words, but when they all are strung together, it's definitely, like, a, you know, eighth, ninth grade reading level to even, like, make sense of them, you know? And, yeah, I just kind of started thinking about the Pledge of Allegiance and wanted to sort of see what you had to say about it and what the whole symbol of the flag we were thinking about a possibility of doing a whole season on symbols but I don't think we're going to end up going that direction so I still wanted to chat about symbols as we come unstuck out of time in the white room and yeah I'm just I'm just curious do you want to start by like just saying the pledge Bob
0: I, I do not Dave I do not want to say that thing. (laughs) Um, But I did like what you said the other day where you um, highlighted certain elements of the pledge. I guess the reason I am so adverse is um, I'm so adverse to projects of nationalism. Those bother me extremely and i think they're very powerful i think you're right i think kids don't know what they're saying at all but i do think just the ritual and doing it and like doing it to the flag creates a flag worshiping which sets people up towards towards nationalism and i think it's a great ill of society to be nationalistic
1: interesting yeah i hadn't even know- Put those two things together, but that idea is definitely the thing that is rubbing me the wrong way about the Pledge of Allegiance, the nationalism. And it's a very robotic thing, right? Anything that is done in this on this grand scale to produce patriotism or nationalism, um in a robotic way that is it's pretty brainwashing, isn't it?
0: <sighs> it is. It's like it's very much yeah, like getting getting kids to memorize it, getting them to rem- like their bodies to stand up, look to the flag. It's all this like ritual to like ingrain it at a really deep level. And kids might not understand it, but I think they eventually do or I I think I reflected on it when I got a little bit older and you know I think it had an effect even on someone like myself that was like probably more critical than the, the average kid. And I, I definitely got caught up in in like U.S. nationalism and feel like I feel gross about it, you know, many years later.
1: Yeah, interesting.
0: You know that pic- picture of me in Germany?
1: Uh, oh, when man. you're tra- dressed up as Captain America?
0: Yeah, exactly. If that If that thing ever gets out, I'm done, Dave. I'm done.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's that's one way the show might end, come to a screeching halt. <laughs> yeah, that's a classic. I'll try and dig that one up. Yep.
0: <laughs> we we gotta keep on going to the archive to find more and more embarrassing pictures. You found the uh Chauncey Billups and the Goon picture that I've been trying to get on the website. Um we'll have to get the Captain America picture
1: up there. <laughs> yep. Great. Love it. Yeah. I think another thing is I don't feel that it's bad to have identity. Like I don't, I don't, I don't think it's bad to have an identity um, and more on a local level. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I feel for like sure it's, it can be super empowering for kids to believe in community and for kids to be taught that the community that they live in, it has, but they it's their place and it's their home and it's theirs, you know? And it's interesting. There's this author, his name's David Sobel, and he um, deals a lot with like place-based education. He does, he teaches a lot on environmentalism. And one of the things he says is, you shouldn't. We shouldn't be teaching about tragedies in the environment to kids that they can't really affect. Mm-hmm. And it's like pretty common for us to teach about like polar bears um, that are dying because of global warming or rainforests that are being um, cut down, and like asking kids to reflect on that when you know most kids in the United States will never visit the Arctic. It would never be something that the vast majority of kids will never see a polar bear or a rainforest um or like the pacific gyre but they're asked to reflect on it from all across the country right and like what could yeah. you do about this how can you do that but like you know of course like we have fires in our backyard right now i mean not literally but close um and there's always like environmental issues that are Popping up that are more, but it's like we need to keep them relevant. We need to, we need to keep it place-based. We need to teach about what it means to be from the area that we're actually from, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, I agree with that. Yeah. So there's it's just, I don't know. It's it's a complex thing. And the other thing I wanted to say is I feel like there's a lot in the message of the Pledge of Allegiance that I agree with. Um, not like worshiping the symbol. That's like one of the issues that I really don't like like pledging allegiance to the flag is like saying like my allegiance is to the flag it's to the symbol it's to this concept Um, but you know like I believe pretty strongly that we need like the idea of liberty and justice for all that feels like more in line with who I am I want I know that when the pledge was written you know people of uh color were not considered people, so it's like writing them out, you know. But I feel like I want I want justice and liberty and or freedom for people in this country, you know? Like there's um I don't know. Yeah, I don't there's a piece of it, I think there's like pieces of the Pledge of Allegiance that feel like they have a they speak to me a little bit, but, you know, I guess last week I was talking about the epic times and how there's pieces of that that speak to me, too, you know? Yeah, yeah.
0: maybe that's how they were able to, like, get it through. Like, um I mean, if you, like, just picture a classroom and these kids get up and they're like, la, 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 you know, like, whatever they're saying, doesn't that just, like... It just feels weird, you know? It feels like nineteen eighty-four,
1: right? Mm, yeah. Like yeah, very dystopian, right?
0: Yeah. It's like, what the hell are these kids doing? You know, like this is definite brainwashing. I like if I don't understand what they're saying at all, I would just be like, Oh, these kids have been brainwashed. I don't know what it is, but they're brainwashed. Um, so it's like Yeah, you know, no, Back to your point, like there, there is some good parts of it. Yeah. Liberty and justice for all that's, that is really good. Um,
1: yeah. Allegiance, I mean,
0: allegiance feels like, so like, what the fuck allegiance? Oh, you know, sorry to swear. Um, more like, I don't know. I, that word really rubs me the wrong way as well. Um, but I, I, like what you were saying about identity, collective identity based to like something more local based in like social justice and, and freedom. Um, and I do like ritual when it feels like, you know, like, um, a land acknowledgement, you know, of like, this is indigenous land and, um, we're on indigenous land and that means something like that's important. And that's like a ritual that we do when we start events. Um, so yeah, it is a, It is a, like a, a mixed bag where I think you're bringing up some good points, Dave, like that there's some things that are like, that probably feel like, ah, oh, yeah, there's something here. And then there's other parts that are, are not. Um, so,
1: yeah, those are some thoughts on it. Yeah, I guess I kind of just didn't want to write it all off. I wanted to take a critical lens to the pledge because my initial reaction is like, oh. Like that is archaic and brainwashing and nationalistic, but I wanted to kind of pick apart why it feels so icky like to do that. But I think that, I think that we kind of got to it a little bit and I do, I do think that there are like pieces that I want to hold on to because I don't, and I, I do also feel like if it feels really, yeah, that, that idea of ritual, like how can we find ritual without brainwashing, you know, cause I am a big proponent of finding a way to honor the land and the country that we are in and the people that came before us, you know? And I think we can all, there's like a piece of us that feels like rooted in that because we all come from a line of people. And we all live in this land and it's given us so much. So finding a way to honor it in a way that doesn't feel f- like a big brother forcing you to stand and hold your heart and honoring the fact that you can take a knee and honoring the idea that justice for all means justice for, you know, uh, Brianna Taylor and, So many people of color and yeah, it's it's not just justice for white men and what that means.
0: Yeah. I mean I think it would be interesting. What if we replaced the Pledge of Allegiance with land acknowledgments, you know? And that would require people in different places to do research and ultimately to be in connection with indigenous people, right? Because land acknowledgements are more than just symbols. They're about like decolonization and, but they're very much around identity, you know, the identity of that location and that, that would like actually be about social justice, you know? Um, so that might be interesting thought to replace the the pledge with land acknowledgements.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love that. That feels like something that I would like to be a part of and writing a land acknowledgement for my class feels like something that would be a uh, interesting undertaking, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Nice Dave.
0: Yeah. Well, I feel like we got to an interesting place and um, I think we're coming to the end of that meet if, and we're ready for the dessert.
1: <laughs> yeah. I I'm ready for some dessert. What kind of dessert are you into tonight, Bob? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. I I'm kind of interested in the tuned-in version
0: of dessert, but if you have a hot seat question for me, I know it's my turn. Yeah, let's let's head
1: for tuned-in. Do you mind if I get us started? Oh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I am feeling really tuned-in to the idea of what is what is a attractive book for an elementary school kid to read? And I've been kind of thinking about that a lot recently. And I'm hoping that some people might um, give us a, a, a tweet or a Instagram or an email at the end talking about a book that really spoke to them when they were in elementary school. We do read alouds every day. And I like to get into chapter books, and I've been kind of reliving some of the chapter books of my life that sort of spoke to me. And when I was in elementary school, so so far we've read Stuart Little, and we're coming to the end of Where the Red Fern Grows, which are mm, both nice, pretty classics, but they're definitely dated. Um, you know, there's a lot of the idea of what it means to be a man in Where the Red Fern Grows. Oh, yeah. And there's a lot of ideas of like waspy New York stuff in Stuart Little, um, which is pretty funny. Um, there's like two whole chapters on boat racing and how to properly jib a squal or squal a jib or whatever. Um but I'm just like, what am I reading right now? Like, of course it was written in nineteen twenty-two, so it's a different different time, you know. Um, but yeah, I've been tuned into that idea and I just know Like, I've been excited of, like, building my classroom library, and I've been spending a lot of time, like, trying to excite kids about books. So I'm very curious to get some feedback on that.
0: That's good. Yeah. We got to get our listeners to get at us, and that's a good one. Yeah. Um, So it sounds like you're you're looking for, like, more modern versions, too, that are, like, not so hegemonic.
1: Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I'm just looking for anything. I am I also like the nostalgia, and I think that these books have held up through generations, and I think it's important to connect on that. The generational lines, you know, because our parents assuredly read Stuart Little at some point, and grandparents and, you know, children will read Stuart Little. It's like one of those things that it's like, you know, you don't quite know why Tales of a Fourth Grade Nothing is a book worth reading, but you read it and you're like, huh, yeah, I guess that was something. That's true. You know, um,
0: my, my good friend blaze is like really changed my perspective on young adult literature. And like, there's some really good young adult fiction out there. Um, yeah, that she has some great, Great idea. So hopefully she gets that up or I can check in with her too. Yeah. look at
1: Looking at you, Blaze. Come after us. Yes. Um, and I'll can say, I just do a, a quick connection, Bob? Sorry. I yeah, you just want to say that one of the kids that was reading a book called The Fastest Kid on Earth, and we were talking about that in class and... They wanted to know if there's any video YouTube videos on the fastest kid on earth. I'm like, well, let's find out. And we looked up the fastest kid right now. And that kid's name is Blaze. And boy, is that kid fast. It's fun to watch that kid run. Wow. Anyways, go ahead, Bob.
0: Um, I just want to say, like, when you bring up this question, um, I feel like the book I came to mind for me is that book Fade by Robert Cormier. Do you do you remember that one? I do not. I've never heard of that one. He wrote The Chocolate War. Do you remember that
1: one? No. I don't remember that one either.
0: Yeah, Fade. I think Fade was one of the most impactful books. It's about like a kid who has a gift of being able to like basically become invisible. Um, cool. But I'm looking it up now, and it's a controversial book because he witnesses scenes of murder and incest. So, it's on the top 100 most frequently challenged books. So, um, I don't know that I can actually recommend it, but I do remember it being one that I liked reading when I was a kid. Right. Wow. You're a Cormier guy. I'm a Cormier guy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a chocolate man. Nice. Um, All right. For my tuned in, um, been watching a show on Netflix called Unsolved Mysteries. Have you seen any of those episodes, Dave?
1: No, I haven't even heard of that show.
0: I guess there might have been Unsolved Mysteries back in the '90s, and there's like new ones, and I think it's pretty popular. It's like number one on the Netflix shows, and it just traces. It's like they're like forty-five minute episodes of cases that are very mysterious and like still basically not solved. About mis- mostly about murders or or people who have died. Um, it's it's, it's haunting. It's definitely haunting. But it, each episode is so interesting because they like interview people of like how this happened, and in each case, there's so much intrigue, but. They don't know what actually actually happened to the person. So Yep. Dang. Been yeah, watching that and they've been sticking with me.
1: I do remember that um show and I'm and now remembering that Netflix did rehash it or like they came out with new ones. Yep. And I think it's by the person who did Stranger Things. Is that right? Oh wow. I didn't know. I think there's a connection there. Cool. Um and it's yeah. It's also coming into the Halloween season. So Julie was asking me what what movie are we gonna watch for Halloween? And I am gonna put you on the hot seat, Bob. I want you to rate make a recommendation of a Halloween movie to Julie and myself.
0: Uh do you want a scary one or a fun one? I think I'm gonna get both. So give them both up, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> um you know, Netflix has a fun one. It's it's pretty fun. And it's the new Adam Sandler movie, Hubie Halloween.
1: Oh, yeah. You watched it? it? It's
0: fun? It's fun. Yeah, I did. And there's so many like famous actors and people in that movie. Um, so, yeah, it, it's worth it if you're looking for a fun Halloween
1: movie. It might be, yeah. I, I just can't really stand Adam Sandler, but maybe it's worth it.
0: Yeah, it's basically he's reprising his role from The Water Boy.
1: Oh, yeah. Billy Boucher, right? Bobby Boucher. Uh,
0: yeah, exactly.
1: And nice. And what about a scary one? A scary one. Hmm. I guess maybe Unsolved Mysteries is sort of up that alley, huh? Yeah, it tr- certainly is.
0: Yeah. Oh, well, I mean. Also on Netflix, that um, The Haunting of Bly Manor is actually like a long-ass miniseries, and it's pretty good. It, it's just really slow, but I think that's—I can't ever see you watching that thing. No. <laughs> but to be honest, Dave, I can't see you watching scary a scary movie at all. Yeah, I don't so. know
1: why I was looking for that, so yeah last scary movie I watched was uh get out and I watched it from two rooms away you know <laughs> exactly with uh both eyes closed yeah oh yeah <laughs> nice uh well that's great Bob thanks for thanks for giving us that hot seat little brief brief one and giving us double dessert this week double dessert yeah it was good Dave and
0: um yeah we might be getting close to that time of Ending our our time here in the white space
1: Yeah And jumping back into What comes next For for the Thriving Crew Season 4 Sweet Well I'm going to give that Social media You got the website thrivingindystopia.com You got The bmaze19 That's the old Twitter account Thrivingindystopia don't forget those underscores and you can hit me up at Davepeachtree at gmail.com. Just how many underscores are in that Instagram handle? We don't know yet. <laughs> well we got a, a few of our uh interns working on that. that yep. Once they finish that project up, they're they're willing to work on show notes, but they gotta finish the <laughs> underscore project.
0: Yeah, I can't remember if it's five or six.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, good luck out there, people. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Thanks for this episode, Bob. I'm glad we got a chance to chat this week. Yeah. Good to hear about how school's going and
0: uh, yeah, love the thoughts, Dave. So let's let's let it go and happy Halloween to everyone out there. Yeah. (laughs) Love you, Bob. Love you, Dave. What's up, driving crew? Bob and Dave want to take a second to thank you for lending them your ears. They also want to thank the artists for making everything a little more beautiful. The intro song is in heaven by drake stafford our audio is edited by the consummate and dexterous nadir chayech web design by chris the mixer sawyer and of course visual art is by the prolific and enigmatic joe shine finally the new outro song is today's special jam tomorrow by dr turtle have a good week and see you next tuesday